Hi, this is Ben Zorns with Ellerslie Mission Society. This is part one of a two-part message given by Pastor Eric Ludy at the Church at Ellerslie in lovely Windsor, Colorado. It is our hope and prayer that this message would convict, inspire, and invigorate your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also want you to know that should you ever have any questions or comments regarding any of the ministries here at Ellerslie, we are always happy to provide answers and receive feedback. Simply contact us at info at ellerslie.com or give us a call at 970-686-9022. We really would love to hear from you. Enjoy the message and may your faith and love in Jesus grow larger as you listen. Now here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Well, it's uh, possible that I've officially stumbled upon a message that can thoroughly trip or offend nearly everyone in this room all at one time. Uh, I'm hoping that's not what happens in this message. In fact, that's one of the amazing things about grace is that those of us that are being wooed or being changed by grace have a tremendous sensitivity to no longer be offended uh, and to actually be able to walk in stride with what God may be saying and doing, even though our uh, susceptibility is to really trip over things. So this is just a, a really unique and challenging message to navigate through. There's all sorts of minds uh, along the way that I need the grace of God to avoid because there's all sorts of different perspectives on some of the things I'm going to be sharing. And what I don't want us to trip over is some of the nuance of what I'm saying, but the very specific heart and core motivation behind uh, what I'm saying, which is to lead us truly to the representation of Jesus Christ in our lives. Well, let's hit the ground running. The new creation. Uh, my subtitle's quite uh, intelligent sounding. A study in the inner physiology of Christian rebirth. Wow, uh, that sounds like a college class, pretty high level too. Uh, don't be intimidated by that. Uh, physiology. Let me, to understand physiology, you need to understand biology. Biology, which some of you have taken biology. In fact, a good name for Christianity would be biology. It's the study of living things. Isn't that an interesting statement? It's the study of living things, and yet we don't call Christianity biology. It should be. I mean, that's what we are. It's a study of life, Jesus Christ, and then we become a living thing. And we're a dead thing that becomes a living thing. We don't call Christianity biology. And then there's sub-disciplines in science. And so you have biology, which is the study of living things. Then you have physiology, which is the study of how living things work. Isn't that interesting? So I just taught you something. We could just stop right there and you'd be like, wow, edified. I was edified today. A study in the inner physiology, the inner of how you work as a Christian. Right in here, how that life works. So, it's a study in the inner physiology of Christian rebirth. There's this concept in Christianity of being born again. Sort of an awkward term, and some of us shy away from it because it maybe it was a little overused in the 70s with the Jesus people. You know, are you born again, brother? And then everyone starts now acting like, oh, we don't need to say that. Well, actually, it's a biblical concept that is very, very important. If you're not born again, that means you're a dead man uh, because you need to be twice born to truly understand what it means to be alive. Otherwise, you're dead. And so this is about that second birth. It's called the new creation. I could have called it the new creature, as you will see, a good old-fashioned King James language version uh, of saying the same word is the new creature. But I don't know what you think of when you think of a creature. It's like, uh, and so when you hear that you're a new creature, I don't know if that's any more encouraging. 
is a two-part message, and so we're going to start with session one, the old creature. You see, most of you, if we said the old creation, it would be just as correct. However, that doesn't make any sense. You see, there is a life that you have been living, and to just say that it was an old creation and now you're a new creation removes the personality dimension of it out. You see, a creation, God's creation of us, literally has a personality. There's eyes, nose, mouth, ears, mind, heart. And the same is true with the old creation. You see, if there is a new creation, there must be an old creation. That's part of where I'm going to start with as far as my argument. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when you enter into Christ, behold, something changes. You become a new creature, or to use a more modern terminology for it, because the word creature and creation are the exact same. It is a work of God. It is something that he builds. And who's the creator? His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one that created the heavens and the earth, and he's also the one that recreates you. You're created anew in Christ Jesus. Or you were an old creature, that's this side of the stage, and now you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. So if there can be a new, there must be an old. It just sort of goes without saying. However, I, I do need to enunciate it. If you are being made new, well then what are we to say about what you previously were? Paul refers to it as the old. He has all sorts of names for it. The old man, the old creature is one of the ways that we could describe it. So I want to introduce you to the big eye and the little eye. One of the things I, I will say to you guys is, you know, as, as I'm discipling is the idea of big S and small s salvation, okay? In other words, when we think of believing on Jesus Christ, we get big S salvation. And yet there's still something known as salvation that we work out all throughout our Christian existence. So oftentimes, one of the best ways in Christianity to describe things is there's a big S version of things and there's a small s. Well, once again, we're talking about the old creature and the new creature. It actually helps to make a capital and a small. And that capital and that small are you. We're the I in this. I is the me, the self. And to understand how the old creature and the new creature work, it helps to understand the capital I, which is sort of like, it's all about me. And the little I, which says, I'm willing to decrease and become nothing in order that I might serve and glorify Jesus Christ. And so we have big I and little I. Now listen to how Paul uses big I and little I in this sentence. Of course, he's not necessarily saying, hey, guys, notice the big I and little I, and yet that's what he's talking about. I, you notice that that's the big one, I, who's been hanging out in the old creature, what is the old creature? It's the one that sits on the throne and says, this is my life, this is my body, I'm going to live it my way, do things the way I want to do it. And as a result, you're dead. You see, that's the very essence of sin. When Adam and Eve failed, it's because they attempted to take what belonged to God. What did Satan say? What did the serpent say? You can be as good. You can take that throne that belongs to him. Get him off of there. You sit there. You can rule this body. When I is inflated, you die. Big I leads to death. And so what does the cross do? When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he deflated the eye. He gave the opportunity for the eye to become small the way it's supposed to be so that our life could once again live. So I, big I, am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, who, which I? The big I? No, no. The little I. Nevertheless, I, little I, lives. Yet not big I, as you would think, but Christ lives in me. 
You see, he's describing the little eye life, the little eye, the eye that has been demoted by the work of grace and has bent its knee, now lives. But it's not as it once was. It's a new creature. It's a new creation. And it's hard to explain, but Christ lives in me. It's a newness of life. And the life which I, small I, now live in this body, in the flesh, I, small I, live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Big I and little I. The broken home. Now, what I'm going to try and articulate to you today is just like, wow, how in the world do I say this? So I'm going to attempt with a starter package metaphor here. A home. Okay, now my subtitle is Beware the Two-Year-Old is in Charge. Now, I have two three-year-olds, so even in my mind, it gets worse if I were to make them two in my mind, and I were to say, imagine that mommy and daddy and the older siblings didn't exist. And a little two-year-old was put in charge of running the home. What would the home look like? It would not be good. I mean, just ponder this for a second. Ever since Adam failed, basically that which is required to run the home has been gone. It is not present. So but when was the last time an electrical bill was paid by a two-year-old? Mm-hmm. Probably a long time ago, way back to the days of Adam. And so as a result, there's been no power in the house since Adam. There is no one's, if you, if you lose power in a house, you, you know, guess what? You're also probably going to have your water turned off. Uh-huh. There's no living water in this house. How's the house function? How do you live in this house? When it gets cold, you get cold. When it gets really hot, you get hot. In other words, this home is in disrepair. Now, even if there was power, could you imagine a two-year-old with the oven, with the microwave, and uh, with you know, whatever else you want to use your imagination on in there? And we're talking about a burned-down home in no time. Either that or a flooded home. Could you imagine the water was turned on? I mean, the whole basement's flooded. What, first night? In other words, we're talking about disaster, and the first thing that begins to be realized in this home is, you're not big enough, buddy, to run this home. You don't have what it takes. The poor little two-year-old's just like, Gah. he doesn't know what he's doing, but that's us. Big eye attempting to run what they were never intended to run. Something's missing from this house. Do you recognize that? You see, daddy used to be in charge here, but something has gone wrong. I got big. And as a result, we died. And the house is broken. We call it the broken home. The black sheet and the white sheet. This is the mystery of in. Now, we were talking about big eye. Well, big eye is going to be symbolic of a black sheet. This is really hard to talk on a microphone. Now, you need to imagine that this black sheet is around me. It's like clothing. And so when big eye does what big eye does, big eye thinks that it's gaining something by taking over the home and booting out daddy. However, what happens is the life begins to go into disrepair. There's some small print that the serpent didn't talk about when he was saying you could be his God. Take the throne. Grow up, big eye. Big, be as big as you can be. And as a result, uh, big eye died. And big eye is actually not in control. Big eye is being clothed by something. You see, this sheet is going to be symbolic of something as we press forward. But right now, we'll just sort of look at it as the clothing of Adam. It is the old life. It is death. The color black, uh, you know, however you want to say it, if you want to say darkness, is the absence of light. So when all things are dark, that means that something is missing. Light is missing. 
And it's not actually a substance in and of itself. It's not really a color. It's the absence of it. And the same thing is true with death. It's not the presence of something. It's the absence of something known as life. So when you remove light, when you remove life, what you have is the anti-life. You have the anti-light. That's what you have. It's not really anything. It's just that which is void of everything that brings light and life. Okay? So that's our black sheet. Uh, how am I going to do this now? Ah, feels so much better over here. See, this is clothing. One of the things about Jesus is he's described as clothing. We are in Christ. Just like clothing, it wraps around you. And that's very, very important in what we're going to be talking about here. Okay? So little I, this is the home it has. When you become little I and you humble yourself and you repent of your life as big I, thinking that you're all that, living in anti-death and anti, or anti-life and anti-light, then you humble yourself, you enter into light. You enter into life, and you live. All right. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. You see, there's two different ways that I can go. I can think of myself as all that, and I can exalt me, and I die. Or I can recognize and be in agreement with what God says, and I can say, I am not all that. I am not the Savior. He is. And when I turn to him, and I humble I, and I get small and allows God to be big, and as a result, I find life. It's the strangest place to find life, is in me giving up my life. I find life. In me taking my life, I lose life. Understanding the creature concept. This is going to get a little scary here, guys. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I could have said new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The old creature. Do you guys remember the, uh, well, I never saw it. But when I was growing up, we used to always joke about the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, Some of you, I know, are going to show your age by nodding along and going, "Uh uh-huh, I've been there. The old creature. So when I think of a creature, I always think of the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's actually what goes into my mind. So what I did for this message is I decided I would go and dig into the, uh, the photo- photographic archives and give us a little picture of what's in my mind. Oh, no, there he is. The creature from the Black Lagoon. Is that a great statement of what we are without Christ or what? You see, we are clothed in something. Now, what you don't necessarily realize maybe yet is that it's not just that you're clothed in darkness or you're clothed in Adam, because that's the concept. You're born in Adam, you're in the lineage of Adam, and as a result, you wear his clothing. But that clothing is like a, a person. It's a living being, if you will. And just like this clothing is Christ, well, this clothing is Adam, and Adam has opinions on things. Adam has eyes, Adam has ears, Adam has a mouth, Adam has a heart, he has a mind. And so as a result, what you'll find is that there's another entity in your life that is doing some thinking. There's another entity in your life that's doing some hearing or affecting your hearing. There's another entity in your life that is looking at things and has an agenda for your eyes. There's another another entity in your life that has a mouth. And by the way, he talks either a lot or he talks in a very inappropriate fashion. I mean, we've seen all sorts of things happen. Here, what's, what's going on over here? Well, we'll call it the old creature, okay? And if that helps you to understand sort of what the old creature's like and why you should kick him out, hey, I'll give you this picture. Now, look at this. 
uh, I, I thought, <laughs> there's, the, there's our life, okay? We are helpless and vulnerable, and what is this old creature doing? He's running off with us. I mean, so I think this is, that, by the way, that's the creature from the Black Lagoon right there. And so over here, when I exalts itself, what it's doing is it's subjecting itself. It actually thinks it's in control, but the more you begin to realize God's law comes to us and awakens us, it's, no, no, you're being carried away by the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's us. You try and get out of that grip. You can't. You're like, help, help. No one can hear you. All you have is a whole bunch of other people being carried away by the creature too. And they're like, hey, what are you doing? I'm just being carried too. We're all carried by the creature. And so that's what it means. When big eye exalts itself, you find yourself in a very precarious situation that you can't get out of. That creature, I mean, look at it. Look how strong he is. A helpful glossary. So this is Paul's glossary. Old and new. Old. When we say old, what you think of as someone you know, that's elderly or has a lot of years behind them. Technically, it's not that that's wrong, but technically when you look at how Paul uses the word, this will help enunciate something a little bigger. That which was is what is the old in scripture. It's the previous. So that which was first, that which can't please God. That which happens over here cannot please God. That which is done by the creature, the old creature that is, cannot please God. It just can't. It is devoid of anything that would ever please God. It is anti-light and anti-life. It is absent of that which is God. And so the new is that which can be, that which is second, and that which pleases God. So it's when we humble ourselves and enter into Christ that our life actually can begin to please God. The first in Scripture never pleases God. Remember Cain and Abel. First, second. The first man doesn't please God. Cain offers something on the altar. God says, no. Nah. And Abel offers something. God says, that's a good sacrifice. And there's a symbol of that throughout Scripture. Ishmael is the first son of uh, Abraham and Isaac. Esau, first son of Isaac and Rebekah. And Jacob, or also known as Israel. It's the second that pleases God. The old covenant, that life under law, the life of the new covenant in his blood and the power of grace. The second one is what pleases God. The first one exposes the need for the second. We need that which God can do. So the new is that which can be, that which is second, and that which pleases God. Of course, that's what we want to be is the new creature, not the old creature. Understanding the spiritual man, the illustration of three bodies. All right, now how, we'll see how well I do on this one. Okay, first... Paul calls it the old man. So I'm going to say the old man, the physical man, and the new man. Okay, now, when I say body, what do you think of? You think of flesh and blood, body, bone, sinew, nerves, eyes, ears, and there's nothing wrong with that. I want you to think that because that's what a body is. It's a holding device for something. There's actually space inside of a body to live. Where do you live? Well, that's uh, sort of a strange question, Eric. I live in my body. That's right. You're like in your body. You don't live out there and your body's over here. You're actually stuck in this thing. And when it moves, you move. It's like, well, where are you going, body? And, and you go where it goes. Isn't that a strange thought? But there's actually two overlaying bodies at any time in your life. This is where most of us miss out on a key spiritual truth. At any point in time, there's actually two bodies at work. 
So I just told you there's an old man and there's a physical body. If you don't have Jesus, do you know that those are the two bodies you're dealing with? And the old man is going to control this physical body. So here's us. We're the physical body in the middle, just sort of minding our own business. God created it good. And he says, you know, that's a good piece of work. You know, a lot of us think that our physical body, there must be something wrong and sinful about it. Because, you know, God, we're always getting in trouble with this body. How actually it's, how, however, it's not actually this body that is the problem. Your physical body, you pinch it, that's not your problem. Your sexuality, your appetite, your capacity for sleep, all of those things which get us in trouble aren't actually a problem. They're good. God created them that way. He intended them to be that way. Isn't it an amazing thought to think that God created us as sexual beings on purpose? And he said, it's good. It's very good. However, when I exalted itself and sat in the seat that was not his or hers, then what happened is this body, which I haven't really talked about yet, died, or we died to it. It's almost like entering into a plane, you die to the law of gravity. Well, it's sort of the inverse of that. When you exited the plane, you lost the power of the law of aerodynamics, and you found yourself subjected to the law of gravity. There's another body over here known as the old man. That's what Paul calls it. And this old man, or old creature from the Black Lagoon, actually has eyes, he has a nose, he has a mouth, he has ears. He has a personality to him. And what he does is with his agenda, which every body seems to have an agenda, he superimposes it onto this physical body that you are living in. And as a result, you're finding that the things you're wanting to do, you start to look this way and go, I want to live that way. I want to be a new creature. And yet you can't do those things. Why? Because this body or this creature is actually controlling you. It's that which is void of everything that God is. And it is at enmity or it is against. It is in opposition to who God is, who is spirit. Spirit against what Paul refers to as flesh. And so we have a spiritual power here. But it's not, it's spiritual in how it works, but it's not spirit. It is not able to lead you to God. It only is able to debase your life. So then you're in the middle And we have the other side, too. We have the spiritual man or the new man, okay? Old man, new man. And who is the new man? It's Jesus Christ. So you can live in the old creature, or you can live in the new creature. You choose, because how you choose defines life or death. That's the essence of how Christianity works. And so do you want to be held in the grip of this creature and go, ah, you know, and scream like one of those old-fashioned black and white movies? Or do you want to be held in the grip of this man? This man has done a work which enables you to be freed from the grip of that old man. Forsaking big I, putting off the old creature. Colossians says it this way. For in him, remember who him is, or it's the new man. For in Christ, the new man, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. You know what the circumcision is? Well, I don't want to go into physically what circumcision is just right at this exact moment. However, it's a removal of flesh. Remember what this is? This is the flesh. It's the cutting off of the old creature. And what does it say? Is it in whom, so when you enter into Christ, what is cut off? The old creature's power over you. 
says, in whom you also are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You put off this body. It's actually referred to as a body. It's called the body of sin, the body of death. This body has been holding you, and it must be crucified. And yet, when you say, I am crucified with Christ, you're thinking, well, but I'm still alive. That's because this physical body wasn't what was crucified. It was this beast. It was this old body, this old creature that was dealt with at the cross, and it's called the circumcision of Christ. It was cut off because you entered into Christ, and in Christ there was a circumcision made that was without hands. It was done by his work on the cross, by his shed blood, and when you trust in that, this old creature's power over your life His eyes are controlling your eyes. His mouth is controlling your mouth. His ears are controlling your ears. His heart is controlling your heart. It's deceitful and wicked. His eyes are wandering. They look where they shouldn't. His ears hear gossip and slander as if it's juicy morsels. His tongue speaks strife and contention and hatred and rage. Cut that off. You see, it's controlling your faculties. Remember the physical body? Yeah, it was good. There's nothing wrong with it. However, there is something wrong with it if it's being controlled by the creature. So in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, and we were buried with him in baptism. Baptism means to be immersed in something or to be put into something. And this life was buried with him in baptism. When we were put into Christ, this life was put under. This life is no more. It's no longer visible wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Basically, long and short, saying he has made you alive in Christ. You were dead in your own sin, in this body, in this creature, this old life. This old man controlled you, but now you've been severed from that. And now you have entered into a new man, and you are alive. So I thought that was a far better picture. You know, it still doesn't fully show you what it's like to be in Christ, but I also didn't show you a very good picture of what it means to be in Adam either, to be in the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's sort of a hard thing to give a mental picture for. It's like you're actually in it, and you're like, hey, I want out. You can't get out. Who's in control of your life? And then he's dominating this physical body of yours and causing it to do things that you don't want it to do. And yet, right when you think you've overcome it, the creature shows himself again, and well, there we go again. Defeat. You are so frustrated living in this life. Well, I want to invite you into this life. It's the life that is in Christ. Just as this creature controlled you, now you are controlled by Christ. You see, just as you were by this creature, your eyes were his eyes, and his heart was, his deceitful heart was, affecting your heart and his hearing slander and juicy morsels of gossip was affecting you in this physical body, causing your ears to itch and to tingle for that which they shouldn't, causing your eyes to lust after and look at what they shouldn't. Now you've been set free and cut off from that power, and now your physical body can be ruled and mastered by Jesus. And now how do Jesus' eyes work? He will cause your eyes to work the same. How does his mind work? He will cause your mind to think the same. How does his heart work? He will cause your heart to function the same. The first man is of the earth. Here's our first man. He's earthy. He's from the black lagoon. 
The second man, oh, over here, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. So if you are earthy, if you are in the earthy, guess what? You'll behave earthy. If you are in the creature from the black lagoon, guess what? You'll have the same slime on you as he does. But, and, is the, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. But when you're in Christ, what will this body begin to show? Heavenly behavior. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, yeah, we've all looked like the creature from the black lagoon, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That's Christianity. It is a new birth. We are a new creature, new creation in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this two-part message by Pastor Eric Ludi, pastor at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. If you have any questions, comments, or just need more information about Ellerslie, please visit our website at www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. For Ellerslie Mission Society, this is Ben Zorns cheering you on as Christ cultivates His set-apart life within you.